Well, a wonderful morning to the chef body today. Good to see each and every one of you. And it has been um, a nice little season of time off for me. I obviously wasn't here last week and I missed each and every one of you. Thought about you and you were in my prayers uh, in my absence. It was just a time of refreshment for Sarah and I to be away a little bit and we were thinking about a vacation to Montana, and then early into that, we decided we're just going to save a little bit of money and put it into our house. We, we have, um, living kind of the lifestyle we've lived for the last 22 years, we have neglected a lot of aspects of our home, and so we did a lot of painting and just trim work, and finally got just a lot of those projects that we've always wanted to do done, and no doubt exhausted, but it was a good exhaustion to be able to see and enjoy some of that, but thank you for that, and a thank you to Phil Holzer who um, filled in, and I appreciate his uh, effort in the book of Philippians. He must have read my mind because that's where I was actually going to head next, and I still plan to do that. There's a couple of weeks before I'll probably begin the book of Philippians, but um, it is a wonderful, wonderful book, and I'm grateful to Phil for whetting our appetite for what should be um, many, many weeks of good um, truth gleaned from that. And uh, it caused me just to be very grateful for our group, our body, and all of the individuals who contribute in different ways. Um, my mind also went to Miriam this week, who prepares that weekly uh, church reminder. And each time she starts it off with <clears throat> uh, the Word of God having first and foremost in the, in the uh, announcement, and it's always a portion of Scripture that's so relevant either to what we've been studying or just all Scripture is relevant and profitable, but um, I'm just grateful for her work um, as our secretary, not to mention the elders and all of the uh, effort that they put in, the elder prayers, and the fact that they are, uh, you are in their minds and you're in their prayers, and so we're grateful for that leadership, uh, not the least of which being Nick. Uh, Nick, we, um, we feel... a portion of grief with this, and uh, I did when I first heard as well. Um, Nick has been such a positive influence, even in the short time that I have known him, positive influence on my life, and uh, just the, the positive attitude with which he does his work here. Um, and we, um, the first thing that came to my mind is, how are, we, how are we going to replace him? And really, the bottom line is, um, people are irreplaceable. I hope you understand that. That's, that should just be a natural feeling that all of us have one for another. Jobs can be replaced, positions can be replaced and filled, and we know that, but people, individuals, are irreplaceable. Nobody will bring the exact giftings and, and contributions and commitment that, that an individual like Nick um, has, has done. So we need to be sure that we encourage him along this path as he pursues the will of God for his life. And we're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks here uh, in our messages from the book of Ecclesiastes. We, we want to be in sync with God and in His Word and His plan for us. And uh, so speaking of that, if you wouldn't mind opening up to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 12 this morning, as we tackle a very, very important portion of Scripture in which I have entitled, Advice for Young and Old. Advice for young and old, or you could maybe call it this, reminders for young and old, because really nothing we're going to talk about this morning should be news to you unless you've been living on another planet. But it is important to understand and not forget their realities. 
And so we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 12, a wonderful, wonderful book. And as uh, you make your way there, I want to uh, just kind of state the obvious this morning that we are all getting older, are we not? Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, it should be no surprise to you that none of us are getting younger. Uh, Each new day, each new time we wake up and view a new sunrise or a, a rainstorm today, we are one day closer to the Lord. And that is a good thing. And in addition to us all getting older, we are all also living longer. Did you know that in the year 1900, 4.1% of the population was 65 years of age or older, 4.1%. Well, today that has jumped to an astonishing 14% are 65 and older. And that is due largely, of course, to medical improvements and technology and just the blessings that God has given us in this world in which we live. While we're all getting older and we're all living longer, I guess the the better question to ask is, is life more meaningful? Is it more enjoyable? Do you, do I live with a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, and a sense of enjoyment? And and the fact of, of the matter is, is that for many people, as they age, life can sometimes lose its purpose. And they can start feeling useless or not valued. And the longer they live, sometimes people will even feel like they're just simply in the way. Sometimes they will begin to feel like they're not appreciated or that their opinion is not valued. Once others look to them for advice and look to them for leadership and and for purpose, but now that is maybe no longer the case, and so they begin to lose a sense of purpose in their life. Others, as they age, feel the sense of guilt upon them, regret over certain choices, regret over their use of their time, use of their resources, wishing that perhaps they would have spent more time with their kids, maybe less time at work, and as you age, you begin to see some of those things which become more and more important to you, and you may have a certain amount of guilt. Others may even go into a sense of bitterness. They may feel bitter that they have been dealt a bad hand in life or that perhaps they've married the wrong person and now they're strapped. Now they're saddled with that individual and they're bitter about it. Add to that elements of failing health, maybe wishing their children would visit more, uh, maybe just not even smiling or laughing or perhaps even feeling sorry for themselves the older they get. Others, as they face the onset of old age, sometimes will feel afraid. They're afraid the money will run out. They will be afraid their health will fail. Uh, They will be afraid of being alone. And then others are even sometimes afraid of losing their mind. Well, if you're young, you're not thinking about any of this today. You're not thinking about this. You can't relate to it at all, in fact. Uh, when you're young, you feel free, do you not? And you're enthused about life and there's a certain joy and, and you recognize that, yes, the world is changing. Yes, my body's changing, but there's almost an excitement about that and an exhilaration knowing that I have my entire life ahead of me. And you, if you're young, you are strong physically, stronger than you probably ever will be. And you have 
strength in your mind and you're, you have an ability to adjust and change your course. And there's a sense, is it not, when people are young that they feel like they have the world by the tail. Well, today, King Solomon has an, an important message for both young and old from Ecclesiastes 12. King Solomon, known as the most wisest and, and most competent king of his day. King Solomon had everything at his beck and call, and King Solomon lived his life to the fullest, both with and without God. He made good decisions in his life, but he also made some pretty bad decisions. And today we're going to glean from the summary of his life experience from his own advice here in Ecclesiastes 12. Let's look at the text this morning we'll be spending some time in. Ecclesiastes 12, beginning in verse 1, follow along. It says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, and the grasshopper drags himself along. And the capperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And literally that word means fleeing, fleeting, fleeting. All is fleeting. These are some very sobering, sobering words that garner our attention regardless of our age. They ought to, to catch our attention and, and we ought to glean what we can from this man of God who at the end of his life understood that really loving God and serving God is the ultimate reality in life, having experienced all he did. And we see a number of reminders here from this text that are principalized as we move through. And the first is this, if you're taking notes. We're first struck with a reality, an undebatable reality, that this life which we live is short. Life is tremendously, tremendously short. It goes so fast, does it not? It is here as a vapor, one moment and then gone the next. And here in these verses here, King Solomon with, with majestic brilliance, with, with amazing poetic imagery, probably some of the most graphic and most compelling imagery of all literature that I have encountered at least, depicts the onset of old age with a variety of metaphors. And he describes our lives and he describes our bodies with the imagery of an, of an oncoming storm beginning to press against and wear down what was once a strong structure of a house, of a home. 
And, and this, this imagery of the storm causes this house to slowly but surely decline as the elements begin to move in upon it and even take their toll upon it. And there is a correlation that Solomon is making to the human body. If you haven't guessed, that's where it's really going to land here. And this is, this is not new. This perhaps was new in his day, but in our day, you know, Paul in the New Testament spoke of our bodies as a tent and a temporary dwelling. And, and it should not surprise us that this earthly dwelling, this earthly tent does wear, wear down. But Solomon reminds us of the fact that life is short. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. He's calling you, especially young people, to remember while you are still able to remember. He says, in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh when you will say, I have no delight in them. He's calling us to face the reality that life is indeed short and that there is something important to be done here in this life. That is the more important truth, not to just proclaim a reality which we all kind of know and live with and, and deal with every day, but the reality that there is something to be done in this life, something important for you and for me to fulfill our callings. And here he's speaking of this approaching storm that is coming and going to to have its way, as it were, upon our declining house. And until that time actually occurs, there is work to be done. He says here, we are to remember this before the evil days come. My translation says evil. Really what it, it's best translated, uh, days of difficulty, days of distress. This word can also be used as calamity, hardship, uh, days of unpleasantness. Days of adversity, difficult days, hard times are inevitable, and it is before they come that we must lock into our framework with our God, and we must lock into our calling to accomplish what it is we are to accomplish. As this impending storm of life has its way upon us, we, we realize it through an overall lack of zest that slowly but surely begins to dog our heels as we age. Lack of zest, lack of physical zest, lack of mental zest, lack of clarity perhaps. He says it here in verse 2, if you would note, remember him before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Being a rainy day, I thought of this very text today on our way in we move through various pockets of of rain and sometimes a little bit of sunshine but clouds and sometimes heavy rain this morning coming down and and this reminded me of the fact that these are the rhythms of life are they not spring flourishes springs blossoms with all of the beautiful flowers and fragrances of of spring and then summer moves in and then fall and then and then winter and the rains and, and we, we know this. These are just the ongoing cycles of life. But here in this text, spring and summer begin to give way to the clouds of fall and winter. The darkening of the sun is reflective of that diminished sense of joy that you and I can also have in the later portions of life if we are not very, very careful to remember our purpose in life early. And, and the, the, the cloudy days can, can visit you 
And sometimes those in advanced age can also have a fading capacity for joy and a fading clarity of mind which locks us into the reasons to have joy. And so this is a call really to us all, whether we are young or old. It says here in verse 3, it says, In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. I, I love this imagery that, that King Solomon uses here. The watchmen of the house the watchman perhaps could be a reference to the arms or the hands of the human body. Uh, arms which in youth were strong and full of vigor and strength and could lift heavy loads and throw and could defend a home. The watchman that which could, could, could ward off difficulty or distress in the sense of an invader or an intruder. Now the watchmen, according to this text, once which were full of dexterity, once which were full of skill, now begin to shake and tremble. Verse 3, it says that, that the, the mighty men also stoop. What could this be a reference to, the mighty men? Well, the mighty men probably is a reference. We don't want to be too dogmatic about these Im this imagery that, that Solomon is using. But it could be a reference to the legs. That our legs, which were, were once described as, as mighty and strong, and I, I even think of the, the youth that I see running along the bike path and, and the strength in which they have and the, the, the quadriceps and the, all the muscles in their legs are so strong and, and fit. In youth, they, they had great dexterity and moved with deftness and dignity. Now those legs stoop and they crouch. And they sag at the knee as the weathers of life have moved in among us. These are the legs which once stout and carried the body and allowed us to perform athletics now have become weak in verse 3. And they stoop. Furthermore, it says the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Again, here a reference to the agrarian times that the king was living in. Those grinding at the mill, working hard to, to produce a product out of the grain and such. Uh, here, obviously, a reference to the, the mill, but in the metaphorical sense in which he is he's, uh, teaching us here, he's probably speaking of what? Probably speaking of the teeth. As we age... Our teeth can become soft. The grinding ones which can grind food and, and create the, the product that we need for nourishment here now have become few. They've become weak and some, in some cases, have fallen out and in some cases need to be removed. And this is all the result of this pending storm. As we grow older, our teeth do get softer. And then look at uh, verse 3 here. It says at the end, it says, And those who look through the windows grow dim. Here a reference probably of that time of, of the, the younger ladies who at one time would maybe look out upon workers or put potential suitors or who knows what the, the uh, original imagery was referring to here. But likely here now today, those who look through the windows grow dim, probably a reference to our sight. Would you not agree that as we age, our sight tends to grow dim and we need more light to see and, 
We need glasses to see, and then after glasses, we need bifocals to see, and after bifocals, we need trifocals to see, and even then, sometimes we can't see what is right in front of our face. Days in our youth where we could see for miles and miles with clarity, now we need assistance with that, and bless God that he has given us a day and age in which we can get that assistance. But these are those who look through the windows, and our, and our vision begins to fail. Look at verse 4 here. It says, and, those on, um, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. Think about this for a minute. You've got the grinding mill happening outside of a man's home, but the doors are shut. What is this possibly a reference to? Very likely a reference to our hearing. I mean, the list just keeps going, does it not? And, and perhaps as we age, our hearing begins to fade away what we could hear in our youth and, and these tones. And I remember our kids would sometimes play with us. Uh, they'd pull out their iPhones and they'd pull out these, um, these frequency tones. Have you ever had this happen to you? Where, and they'll, they'll play these tones and I can hear that. And, and yeah, I can hear that and I can hear that. And then it gets to a range finally where I, I can't hear that anymore. But my kids are like, oh no, turn it off. You know, it's too loud. It, it hurts my ears. I can't hear a thing. Is the sound still there? Yes. Is it probably still doing damage to the ear? Probably so. But I can't hear it. And, and it's because the doors on the street are, are being slowly but surely shut up. And it's an interesting reference here. It says, um, it says uh, the doors on the street are shut and the sound of the grinding mill is low. But then look at verse 4. It says... Um, but one will arise at the sound of a bird. What is this, ladies and gentlemen? Probably a reference to insomnia. As you grow older, you need less and less sleep. For whatever reason, you find yourself waking up. Well, it's such irony because you can't really hear as good as you used to, but a sound of a bird will wake you from your sleep. And it seems like for me, that time in the day is getting earlier and earlier and earlier. It used to be about six in the morning, now it's five in the morning, and now I'm hearing the birds at four in the morning. Why? Well, the reality is, is that we do need less sleep, but, but we're stirred. We hear less, but we're stirred at the, the slightest sound. But then verse four, the daughters of song will sing softly. This could be a reference to the, the fact that the ears are not picking up the beautiful voices. The, the daughters of song are still singing, but our ears may not pick them up. Or it could also be a reality check that as you age, your voice changes as well. And you know this, you can hear young ladies sing so beautifully and softly and luxuriously. And as age onsets, that voice will change as well. And then it says here in verse 5, Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. What is... Uh, what is fear of heights? That is known medically even as acrophobia. Fear of extreme, it says uh, uh, acrophobia, get this, is an extreme fear of heights, especially when one is not particularly high up. You're afraid of heights even though you're not very high, and we know this is particularly true as we age. We are much less eager to climb ladders, are we not? Much less eager to be up on the roof or to be up in the tree. And I remember when I was young, I had a little tree trimming business, and, 
And I would have no issue with chainsaw on, on one side of me and shimmying up a, a large pine tree 50 feet in the air and, and toppling it down to nothing more than a stump. And, and yet today I probably would not take on that feat. I would hire that one out. But the reality is, is that we are much less inclined to, to climb ladders and stairways, let alone find ourselves on a high roof or scaffolding. And then it says here also in verse 5 that men are afraid of terrors on the road. What is this? It is a general fear of travel. It is a general uh, lack of inclination to take long trips. Fear of robbers in this day. Fear of the fast pace of camels and donkeys and tradesmen and, and a bustling world of its day. Not unlike our busy intersections and freeways and traffic jams. But when you're young, what's the word? When you're in your youth, hey, let's do a road trip, right? It's a completely different perspective when you're young. But as you age, you're less inclined to be doing those extended, extended road trips. And then uh, look at verse 5 here. It says, um, it says, the almond tree blossoms. The almond tree. What is this? This is likely a reference to gray hair, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful, beautiful almond trees. Almond trees in Israel blossom bright white. Here in America and in the Northwest, they, they blossom pink. But in Israel, they're a very bright, dignified white. And when the almond tree blossoms, it is a clue, it is a sign, it is a hint that winter is around the corner. And the almond tree, the beautiful, beautiful almond tree, marks a seasoned, veteran tree in Israel. The bigger that blossoming is typically, the older it is, but it marks that the seasons are changing. And so, this winter perhaps is a suggestion that it will not be followed by another spring. And, and here, so with the almond tree, next time you find another gray hair on your spouse, you can just say, nice almond tree, honey. You have to roll with some of this. Well, especially when we get to the next one here, it says um, the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. There's no telling what this uh, is referring to here, but uh, there's a hint given. The grasshopper, uh, literally the word in Hebrew droops down or becomes laden. Uh, the grasshopper, once full of youth and vigor in its, in its youth life, with spring in its step, now fails under its own load to a slow crawl. Well, some believe, and I'll be delicate here, but some believe this is a reference to sexual virility. Those drives which in youth are so strong and, and so compelling now begin to become weak and even in some cases fade. And why people think it is a reference to that is because of the next verse, uh, the next uh, uh, portion in verse 5 here. It says uh, the, the grasshopper drags himself along and the capperberry is ineffective. The capperberry in Israel was a very powerful um, uh, medicinal plant. It was a stimulant to the appetite. Some believed it was even a sexual stimulant, uh, aphrodisiac of sorts. Whatever the capperberry did, old age causes this otherwise effective plant to be ineffective. Some of your translations 
say desire fails. Well, all of this, ladies and gentlemen, is quite humbling, is it not? It's very, very humbling. And all of this is a reminder to each and every one of us, whether we are young or whether we are old, that life is short. And it gets a little worse before it gets better, folks, because if you look at uh, verse 5 there, the tail end of it, after all of this list of this declining house, the onset of this storm, it says, man then goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. What is this? The funeral is near. The funeral is near. Man going to his eternal home and mourners going about in the street. And it brings us really to our second point, which we have to come to grips with here. The reality that not only is life short, but that death is certain. Death is certain. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be saying, you're not making me feel good today, Eli, as a preacher. Um, You know what? Sometimes our job as ministers is to make us think about things that we don't really otherwise want to think about. And we wouldn't naturally think about this stuff. But God has given us an entire chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes from the wisest king that ever lived that made all the mistakes. And he is calling us to to have a reality check this morning. A reality check that reminds us of the fact that life is extremely, extremely short. But it gets worse. worse. Death is sure. Death is certain, verse 6. Remember him before the silver cord is broken. Most commentators believe that this is a reference to the spinal cord. And in, in youth and in life, the spinal cord is strong and it holds up the human body. And, and in death, it, it lays flat and begins to separate. And I've seen skeletons before found in the woods that have been weathered, lost, maybe hikers that have have not made it out of elements or whatever the case. And sure enough, that spinal cord looks like the most beautiful white silver cord that you've ever seen in that type of setting. It could be a reference to that. Uh, Also says here, remember him before the golden bowl is crushed. That could possibly be a reference to the head, the location a bowl houses something, the location where life is housed, the soul is housed, the mind is housed, your personality is housed. And that house has become broken, as it were. Here also a reference here, if you'll look to the um, picture by the well being shattered. Again, it's hard to be too dogmatic about what all of these mean specifically, but here a picture, again, a container. Could this possibly be a reference to the entire human body? The pitcher which contains things, housing all of the organs, all of the vital fluids of life. Now this pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. This reference to the wheel could possibly be a reference to the heart or the internal organs. The wheel which churns or pumps and turns and causes all of this masterpiece to move and function and have its being. Now too is crushed. Whatever the interpretation is of all of these aspects, one thing for sure is certain, and that is death is sure. Life is short. Death is certain. 
And we see this because in verse 7, if you'll look, then after all of this is complete, the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Clearly, without mistake, a reference to the early portions of the book of Genesis. If you want to jot down Genesis 2 and verse 7, you'll remember this. After God had created um, the earth, it says in verse 7 that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. This here clearly referenced to the two-part nature of man, that we are made of flesh and blood, which is really earth and dust, but that God had to breathe life into us. And, and then in this verse in Ecclesiastes, this dust returns to the earth, and then the Spirit returns to God who gave it that original breath of life. And we also see in Genesis 3.19 a, a reference to this as well in the curse. Cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return, here it is, to the ground. For from it you have been taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is a reality check this morning here, folks. This is the reality that life is short and death as is certain. And it is hard for us, and it ought to be hard for you to realize, as I have already alluded to, this beautiful, magnificent masterpiece, which we call man, slowly but surely begins to weather itself to a grinding halt until the point in which it, it actually falls and crumbles and becomes dust on the earth. Sobering, sobering reality of life in a fallen world. And this is the reality in which we live. We are all moving towards our own destiny. We are all moving at breakneck speed towards the same imagery. And this is why the preacher says, vanity or fleeting, changing, vapor, vapor, vapor. This is our lot. This is our reality. And at this point in the sermon, I just have to ask a very important question of all of us today, and that is this, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I mean, Eli, tell us something we don't know, right? Tell, tell us something, I mean, this just invigorates me, this just excites me, does it not? Well... I hope you're glad you came to church today because while there is this reality that life is short and that death is certain, it's this third point that we really need to come to grips with. We realize that life is short. We realize where it ends up, in the grave. But what we also need to realize is the third and probably most important point in your outline today. Not only is uh, life short and death is sure, but folks, write it in. Opportunity, opportunity is now. Opportunity is now, is it not? I mean, do we even really need to say more? Do we really even need to develop this point? We will, but you say, well, where do you get this? Well, that actually begins in verse 8 where he says, fleeting, fleeting, says the preacher. All is fleeting. 
And what he's saying here is your opportunity is now. It is before you. It is upon you. Don't let it be behind you is what he's saying. See, a lot of people look at the book of Ecclesiastes and they say, well, that's so negative and I don't want to read that. And I don't listen, especially if you're a young person here, get to know the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you're an older person in here, get to know the book of Ecclesiastes. It is advice for both young and old. And what he's saying here is three very important words here. Not only is he saying fleeting, fleeting, all is fleeting. You know this already that the Hebrews would use repetition in their writing to emphasize an important point. He's saying now, now, now. And really, he's already said this to us. We've already developed this point. You just didn't notice it. Uh, Let me just take you back to verse 1 here and we'll review. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Here it is. Before. Did you catch that as we read it? Uh, Let's look at verse 2. Remember your Creator. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are dark and the clouds return after the rain. You say, well, I was just thinking about all the rain. Yeah, but I want you to think about before the rain. And, and remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity. Yeah, you've been talking about a lot of adverse days, and I can relate to all that, but I'm talking about before those days come, before you have no delight in them. There's another one in verse 6, if you would just maybe underline all of these, verse 1, verse 2, verse 6. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed, etc., etc., etc. We must remember, we must Come to this reality check before all of these realities have advanced upon us. The word before in Hebrew means this. Previous to. Earlier than. Prior to. Ahead of. In advance of. We must consider the brevity of life now. Now is our opportunity. We must consider the certainty of death now. And we must consider the fact that our opportunity lies before us now. And we have to do this when we're not inclined to do it. This is is why I think young people can frustrate older people. It's because older people get this. Older people understand this. And they want you, young person, to understand the fact that your opportunity lies before you now. Because of the brevity of life. Before, 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 before what? Before your opportunity is lost is what Solomon is saying. Before your time has been spent. Before you're too old or too tired or too worn down. Or or before your life has been lived. Before those dark days come and the end draws near. Yes, it is in youth, not old age, that these facts are best confronted. But if you have not confronted this reality in your youth, any time is a good time because opportunity is now. Now you can still act. Now you can pivot, as my brother-in-law uses the term. Now you can change course if that is your call. You see, folks, death has not reached us yet. Death has not come to us yet. And so our opportunity is now. Derek Kidner, a fabulous commentator on the book of Ecclesiastes says death has not reached out to us therefore let it rattle its chains at us and stir us into action see we don't want to think about death 
We don't want to think about the time in which we lay in that grave, but you know what? There are some good reasons to think about it because it rattles our chains and it causes us to wake up and begin living. And we are much more useful to God as living beings than dead ones. And if you're not dead, folks, that means you're a living being. And that means you have opportunity. And that means your opportunity is now to be all that you can be for the glory of God. Of God. Opportunity is now for what? To make the most of this life. And please note, that is not for yourself. God addressed this with Solomon once when he asked for wisdom. And, and God answered Solomon and said, Because you have not asked for yourself, riches and wisdom and power and all, because you did not ask for yourself, Solomon had a much bigger glory in mind, and it was the glory of God. We don't live life for ourselves and to just get all the gusto we can out of it. We don't even live life strictly for others, although others are benefited by a life lived for the glory of God, is it not? Others are certainly benefit, but we live strictly and primarily for God's glory, that the works of God may be manifested in us. This requires taking full advantage of our opportunities now, these fleeting opportunities which will not return. This is why when our youth pastor says, I have to go pursue something that is important to me and us and our family, this is why we don't hold people back as much as we would love to. This is why we allow people and we let them go and we send them off in style as we understand that this is them pursuing what is important to them. And you fill in the blanks, folks. That can be all of us. That can be any of us. Requires of taking specific advantage of specific opportunities that are fleeting opportunities which will not return. We will not pass this way again. Amen? We won't. We won't relive this moment. We won't relive this day, this week, this year. And so we take full advantage now. Now is perhaps your last opportunity to call up that lost long-lost friend and reach out to them who needs to hear from you and who needs to hear about your faith. Now might be that last opportunity for you to ask forgiveness of that loved one who you are estranged with or, or restore that broken relationship. Now might be that last opportunity for you to pursue that education or that degree or that training which you want to achieve. Or start that project that needs to be started. Finish that project which needs to be finished. All of which can bring glory to God. Anything worth doing is worth doing well if it brings glory to God. Maybe it's time for you to start that new career. To start fresh. To meet new people. And to be more useful than you've ever been. And maybe for some of you, I've been there, done that. It's time for you to end that career. And, and to, to, to stop that which has become stale or routine or that which is placing you in a spiritual rut. I've seen it, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen Christians fall into spiritual ruts because they just don't feel like they could ever do or be anything different. So they just stay what they're always staying. And they never try and they're afraid. And as a result, they're in a spiritual rut. And this steals your joy. This steals your joy. And we want to live with joy. Some of you maybe need to sing a new song. You know what I'm saying? 
Sing a new song, the scriptures say. Some of you maybe need to teach a Bible study as we come out of this COVID issue and, or an online Bible study, whatever it may be. Some of you may need to write a book. The point is, is that none of us are out to pasture. Can we just say this? None of us are to just, oh, I'll just, I'm out to pasture. That's not living. That's existing. That's not thriving. That's surviving. And we need to be those who thrive. I was reminded of this I think it was my first or second week here at this church. And Bill Clark came up to me and introduced himself to me. And he gave me a book. And I just thought, a lot of people give me books to read. And, and I realized it. And, and I said, this is you? you? You wrote this book? Did any of you ever see his book? Uh, uh, he, he liked studying uh, end times issue and, issues and prophecy. And I said, well, I, I can't take this book. You need to sign it. And so he quickly signed it. To me, but I want to just say that I think, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody here, but I, I think he was near 80 years old. Was, was I close on that? Somewhere in there? 80 years old, and he had recently completed a book, and he wanted me to read that book. He wanted me to be encouraged by that book. And I'm like, that's the spirit. That's what I want to be like when I'm 80. I want to be producing things. I want to be encouraging other people. And I want to be busy about my father's business. And what an amazing, amazing example he was to me, somebody who was younger than him. And so, folks, as I've already said, if you're, if you're alive, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. We, we, you need to discover what that is. If you're still alive, you have a reason to run. And if you have a reason to run, you have a reason to run strong. And if you have a reason to, to run strong, then you need to begin thinking about widening your stride in old age. And you need to begin to think about pumping your chest as you, finish, as you cross that finish line. And as you break through the tape, you need to be giving it your all with all of your gusto, with everything there is about you, while in your ears at that moment you hear your Lord and Master say, Well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now enter the joy of your rest. You see, it's not time to be out to pasture. And I'm saying this to me, folks. I'm saying this to me that realizes it is so easy to fritter time away, is it not? It is so easy to kick back and, and relax and take the easy road. And it's hard to do the hard road. It's hard to be creative and, and to do the difficult thing, but that is the thing which brings God the most glory. If you're alive, you have a reason why. And it's all rooted in our relationship with God. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. It's God who gives us the energy to do this. It's not some human-generated energy. This is God's strength within us. Well, there's more in this text we could talk about. In verse 9 it says, In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. See, this is, this, is what, this is what separates good ministers from bad ones. The good ones will teach you knowledge, even if that knowledge goes down hard, kind of like a jagged little pill. But he, he teaches knowledge. And then it also says he pondered. He thought about what he was going to say here. And he searched out and he arranged many Proverbs. Did you know that Solomon wrote a large portion of the book of Proverbs? And he didn't just smack them all up there on the chalkboard. He, he thought about them and he arranged them and he placed them for greatest benefit. And I am so grateful that he did. 
Verse 10, the preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. And then it says in verse 11, the words of wise men are like goads, uh, goads which, which guide, guide the, uh, the beasts of burden. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. Have you ever sunk a nail and you just, you just hit it? You just hit the nail on the head and just like one, two, maybe three at the most, and it's, it's in. A 16-penny, if anyone's ever done construction. And it, this is, these are these words that, that Solomon refers to here. They're like goads. Masters of these are like well-driven nails, and they are given by one shepherd, capital S. God is shepherding us today. He's guiding us today. And so we've established the fact that life is short, that death is certain, but that opportunity is now. And as I look outside these windows here, the sun is shining. It came in on, we came in under rain this morning, but it proves my point that the sun is shining today on your life and on mine. And none of us are to be slowing down. We are actually to be speeding up as we finish. And so in conclusion, I hope you are glad you came to church today. I hope you are challenged because you know what? I'm glad I came today because I need to hear this challenge. I, I too easily fall into mediocrity if I'm not careful. And I think we all need this challenge to survive. Not, not to survive rather, but to thrive. As I close, I'll just ask one other question here. The question is this. Okay, Eli, you've gotten my attention. You've rattled my chain a little bit that life is short and death is certain and opportunity is now. So what should I then do? It's kind of like Francis Schaeffer. He wrote a book, remember that title? How should we then live? In light of this reality, how should we then live? How can I maximize my life for the glory of God? In light of the, the brevity of life and the certainty of death and in light of this pending and fleeting opportunity, what should I do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to give you five things from chapter 11 that tell you exactly what to do in light of these realities, but you're going to have to come back next week to get them because we're out of time. But a teaser is this. We're going to talk directly about your life's work, and we're going to talk directly about your life's investments and we're not necessarily talking money here. And we're going to talk directly about your life's passions. What draws you from the heart and pulls you. And we're going to talk about doing it all with joy and exhilaration. And we're going to also talk about understanding that it is God who upholds it all. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. It has to start with a relationship with your Creator. We're going to talk about all of that, and you're not going to want to miss it, and you're going to want to come back. As we close, I was throwing a little curveball this morning, and um, this, is a, this is a tender, tender letter from Nicholas, um, who read the scripture for us a couple weeks back. Um, he gets to visit every once in a while here, Sally's um, grandson. 
And uh, he asked me to read this for you today. I, I probably wouldn't normally do this, but um, he, he specifically said, thank you for being the blessing God has given me. If you may, could you please share this with the church? Hopefully it inspires people. He writes, the first year I came to see my grandma and grandpa, we went to church when Pastor Mark was there, and I believed in God, but I never asked him into my heart. Now that you have been a pastor, you made me realize that I never want to forget about God because he is my best friend, so I have now accepted him into my heart. I have learned from church that I no longer have to be worried about the people that I love dying because I will see them forever in heaven. Eli, please remember, I will always remember you were the blessing God has given me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Thank you, Eli. Thank you. P.S. I hope you stay and be our permanent pastor. <laughs> says, he says, everyone would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, with all love, your student, Nicholas, Sally's grandkid. We know who you are, Nicholas. You don't even know, you don't even know the blessing that you can be. And so this is what it's all about. It's, it's about living for God and engaging in your call. And, and all of us have that before us. And what a blessing God is uh, to, to give us uh, realities like that in life. Well, let's pray as we, as we think about this and, and process this in our own lives. Heavenly Father, um, wow. Lord, it's a heavy text. <clears throat> but one that we do need to come to real grips with. And Lord, whether we are old or young, we, we just pray that the reality of these truths would sink into our hearts this day. Father, if we find ourselves young and where that limit cuts off, who knows? Lord, you know, we know what category we're in. But for the youth of this church, I, I just pray that they would take full advantage of these truths I pray that they would maximize their time, understand that it is going to go fast. And Lord, I would pray that our youth of this church would look to the aged of our church and see them as a source of wisdom and strength and advice and never, never hold them in content because of their beautiful almond tree which they bear each week. Lord, I, I pray that they would look to the older people and that they would be faithful older people to be faithful examples. Thank you for the veteran saints which you have given this body. Lord, they have something to offer. May they never grow bitter or tired or discouraged or grow cold to these truths, but may they too maximize their resources. Thank you for the long life that you do give. And Lord, to all, whether young and old, may we all live our lives with the ultimate desire to glorify you. And that we realize we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price and therefore we must glorify God in our bodies. Lord, shake us out of our apathy this morning. Give us clarity. And Lord, give us each an enthusiasm to return next week to learn about some of the joys of all of, of this pressing into your kingdom that, that can yield. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.